Hello and welcome to Contractor Chat, a podcast dedicated to discussing the hottest topics within the construction industry to provide your company the tools to fuel your growth. I'm your host, Andrea Smith, the Marketing and Communications Manager for Southwest Washington Contractors Association. Since 1947, we have championed a thriving construction industry here in Southwest Washington. We help our members win more business, become more profitable, train their employees, and build a stronger community. You can learn more about our benefits and services by visiting us online at swca.org. So we're here today with Mark Nelson from Safety Matters. Thank you so much for being here. They're a brand new member to the SWCA, I think within the last month. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just going to let you introduce yourself. Right on. Well, thanks for having me, Andrea. So yeah, my name is Mark Nelson. I'm an occupational safety uh, consultant. Um, I I live in Lewis County, so I, I feel like I'm with my brethren down here on this end of the state. But uh, just a quick background about me. I, I spent the first 35 years of my life in rural Alaska, which is my home. I, and I, I moved down here about a decade ago and uh, decided to get into the, the safety industry. So I hold an executive MBA in organizational leadership and uh, been speaking or public speaking and training for a long time. And uh, because my dad's a retired general contractor, I thought, what the heck, I, uh, th- this is a a shoe-in for me to to become a safety consultant, really focusing on uh, construction and smaller business. Mm -hmm. And you had mentioned previously that you went to UW and did some of their safety. That's right. So lucky for us, uh, the University of Washington has a uh, OSHA certificate program. And I think think there are 27 universities in the country that do, but these programs, uh, you can get them in maritime, construction, or general industry. Again, they, they take a couple hundred hours to go through, um, but I've, I've went through a couple of them. I've, I've graduated twice uh, from that, um, or from UW's OSHA program. Uh, because I want to teach, I, I really needed to be a kind of a regulatory almanac, if you will. Yeah. So, yep. That's really cool. I had no idea that existed. So. Yep. And they have a campus in Portland, too, if any, anyone's oh. interested there. And the, the, the instructors are great because they're not typical... Uh, you know, they're atypical college professors. They're, yeah. they're subject matter experts that come in and teach different OSHA subparts. Wow, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so will you go into a little bit about like what Safety Matters does as a company? Sure. So Safety Matters has been around uh, uh, for um, a, a little more than a decade. They're a small consulting firm, again, in, in Seattle, and, and they've branched out now. I mean, in fact, uh, in November, I was in Idaho and Montana working oh, for geez. clients over there. And then we have a handful of clients now in Portland. But we, we're really all over the map. Uh, we, with a, a dozen people, we, we teach everywhere from flagging to, you know, low-hanging fruit, first aid CPR, mm-hmm. aerial lift, scissor lift, forklift, and then OSHA 10 and 30-hour classes. Um, but then we teach them more complex topics, uh, competent person for excavation, trenching, confined space entry, fall protection, um, respirator use, things that are more, I guess, more heavily regulated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and rigging, if I didn't mention it, that's a a big thing I do is crane rigging and crane signaling. Okay. Yep. That's really awesome. Um, and then you also mentioned that you guys will do inspections as well, right? Yep, we do tons of field inspections, big clients, small clients, and uh, and mo- mostly construction. I do have a handful of uh, industry clients as well, manufacturing mm-hmm. facilities, and I have a school district and a port that I work with as well. Okay, yeah. awesome. 
So will you just educate me and our listeners as well um, on the safety standards nationally and um, and statewide, and if those standards and the trends that are currently in action, if they align? Yeah, so when, when the OSHA Act was enacted in 1970, the, the state's individually had a choice. They, they could either follow OSHA's regulations or they could come up with their own. They could mm-hmm. have their own state-run programs as long as they were at least as stringent. So a state program can't be less strict. It can be equal to or more strict than OSHA, right? Mm-hmm. And so Washington State, of course, Labor and Industries, it's a safe-run program. And as far as trends, it, it tracks pre- pretty parallel with, with uh, the country. So um, most of like death or accident statistics and stuff we look at are not state-specific. They're federal. And the actual death rate on the job has been tracking about 15 people a day. Um, and that, that's been fairly consistent for about a decade. But it, it's mm-hmm. dropped tremendously in the last 50 years. So I always want to reiterate, if, if anyone says that OSHA, uh, the presence of OSHA hasn't had an effect in the workplace, that's, that's nonsense. Uh, the OSHA has been extremely influential and the workplaces today are much, much safer than they were 50 years ago. Hmm. And it, as far as emphasis trends, um, some things the state will emphasize that maybe OSHA isn't. But if OSHA emphasizes something, the state won't have any say in the matter. For instance, the new silica rules. So if OSHA has upped the standards or, or lowered the threshold for exposure to respiratory silica, uh, then Washington State will inevitably have to follow that or, or mm-hmm. step up to the plate and take some action. But Washington State could have an emphasis that OSHA doesn't have, like their emphasis on uh, the requirements of having a lift director. Uh-huh. So Washington State takes that uh, concept, you know, to a, to a higher level than OSHA does. And they said, hey, if you're, if you're hoisting on a job with any piece of machinery, um, you have to have a designated competent lift director on site. Mm-hmm. And so, so what is some of the experiences that you have um, learned about with their recent like focus on the lift director? How is it hitting construction companies, I guess? <laughs> well, <laughs> un- unfortunately, it can hit them like a, like a brick wall. I mean, we, we have clients with, um, with significant citations, even exceeding six digits mm-hmm. um, for not being you know, in compliance with these expectations. Yeah. And so how it normally hits us is the, the phone rings off the hook when when there's a new emphasis program on people saying, oh, oh my God, I, I just had L&I on my job and uh, we're, we're under fire. Uh, we need training. We need you to help us uh, mitigate these these citations. Um, so that's that's normally how it'll affect us is it's, it's uh, Unfortunately, a lot of times it's a it's a knee jerk reaction, like it was a few years ago when L and I changed the fall protection rule in, in construction from six foot to four feet. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that you don't see advertisements for that on TV, right? So a yeah. lot of times, I mean, the majority of people don't know until they unfortunately are, are cited for it. It would be like a speed limit changing that you didn't know. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden you're pulled over and you're what? You yeah. Know? Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. So that that hits us. I mean, as, as consultants and, mm-hmm. and we, we, we try hard to stay ahead of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, but there are tens of thousands of laws and they are always changing. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Um, so what can small construction companies do to comply with regulations and <laughs> sit, you know, the things that L and I sure. are focusing on? Sure. 
Well, this is a tough thing to explain, but I would say this. Separate the two concepts in your mind, or two concepts. Put, put safety on one side of a page and compliance on another side of a page. And think of safety as, you know, um, standing on the top of a ladder. That's an unsafe act. Or, or, or a guy uh, having a, a hammer with a cracked handle and he wraps duct tape around it. Th- th- those are safety problems. Mm-hmm. Most employers and people are pretty safe because they don't want to get hurt, right? Yeah. There's a cost involved in that. It's called pain, right? But where they, where small small businesses, especially and big businesses too, but but more often small businesses, where they fail in their safety program, isn't safety issues. It's compliance issues. Mm-hmm. It's their written health and safety plans, their fall protection plans, their respiratory protection programs, their confined space permitting program, their hot work permits. It's it's those programs in which. Uh, small businesses really struggle. And unfortunately, um, there is as many, if not more, citations issued for programmatic issues than there are actual safety issues. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, something that uh, small businesses should really be focused on is making sure that, there are, that their, their jobs are, are compliant versus just safe. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I talk to companies all the time. They're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're really safe. We, we haven't had anyone hurt in 10 years. Well, well, that's fantastic, um, but you could still be completely out of compliance. Yeah. Because you didn't have a lockout tagout program or a confined space program, like like I talked about, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so safety is one thing, compliance is another thing, and I, I would really encourage small businesses to um, to understand what it takes to to keep them in compliance. Yeah. And that's something that you all can help with, right? Oh yeah, ab- <laughs> absolutely. That's some, something we we certainly specialize in is is not just writing programs but writing effective programs Mm -hmm. because it's another thing you know there's an old saying if you can't tie a knot tie a lot Mm -hmm. and oftentimes safety programs come that way you know people don't necessarily know what goes in them or or how they should be written so they'll find them online Uh, you know these uh, these safety programs that are hundreds of pages um so they wind up with these three-inch thick three-ring binders sitting on some executive's desk that no one reads. Right? Yeah. That, that's not an effective safety program. Mm-hmm. So we, when we write programs, we try to understand exactly what the contractor's doing and write it in layman's terms so that it's kind of like a car owner's manual in your glove box so yeah. that you can pull it out and say, hey, you know, you go to page 13 for fall protection or whatever it might be and two or three pages in there of how to, how to control your work. Okay, so short and sweet. Short and sweet, yeah. <laughs> yeah more is not better in, in, yeah. in any type of uh, instruction. Okay. Yeah. And so I know you mentioned in a different conversation that we had separate from this one, but uh, you talked a little bit about um, how, I, I forget, it was like a company that, you know, an accident happened, but they weren't fined or... You the know. guy that got ran over by the road grader. Yes, two, yes. two times. Do you, do you want to just describe yeah, yeah. that really quick? So they, yeah. They so have... we uh, a few years ago, I, I got a call from a general contractor. They had had a subcontractor employee uh, that was run over by a, a road grader and backed over uh, a grade checker. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the road grader, this is a tandem axle grader, so two wheels over two legs, right? It, it luckily it didn't kill the guy, but it severely injured him. But when the road grader backed over him. Then the operator could saw the guy in the ground and panicked through the grader and forward and then drove over him again. 
So uh, the guy was seriously injured. So we go there to do an accident investigation, and it was a brand-new grader with a functioning backup alarm. Uh, the grade checker was wearing ANSI-rated high-vis. So, uh, you know, what, what causes an accident like that when, I mean, the law tries to babysit us the best it can, but they were, as far as safety is concerned, uh, or as far as compliance is concerned, they were compliant, but they still had a safety problem, so a guy got run over. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the reason why that contractor was not cited was because twice in the uh, previous weeks, they had addressed making eye-to-eye contact with machine operators before you walk by the machine, and that grade checker had failed to do that. And so the operator obviously had no idea he was there. Yeah. And the employer did their due diligence. Again, they, their job site was compliant. Uh, they, they had done everything they could to keep the workers safe. And, and so the state said, yeah, I mean, it, the, the worker didn't make eye contact with the operator and ultimately suffered a pretty severe price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wanted you to tell us that story just because I feel like it like it reiterates the importance for the compliance and the effective programming. Yeah, because if you paint that picture differently, let's say something was wrong. The mm-hmm. machine didn't have a backup alarm or the worker wasn't wearing the appropriate PPE or they didn't have those safety meetings signed, right? Or yeah. they, they hadn't addressed that. Uh, then certainly, I mean, they, they could have had uh, significant citations. And, and, and needless to say, I mean, we, we all know how the, the legal system works in this country. I mean, they, they could have been subject to catastrophic, you know, mm-hmm. claims. Exactly. Additional claims. So. Mm-hmm. I, 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 gotta, or I have to reiterate, too, when you ask a question about small companies complying, I couldn't emphasize enough the training, training, and training, and yeah. training. You know, uh, the the better trained your employees are, not just from a safety perspective, but from a compliance perspective. Not, I mean, most people know that going into a confined space might have a hazard. Mm-hmm. So you could train your employees on the hazards, but but train them on a compliance side. Here's what documentation is required when you're going into a confined space. People know that being at heights, there's a hazard of falling. But do they know how to complete a fall protection plan? Mm-hmm. Do they know the elements of a fall protection plan? So it's the compliance side, again, where, where workers and, and companies fail. Yeah. The workers are good about wearing a harness. They're good about not falling, you know, yeah. <laughs> but they're not good about completing their fall protection plans. Mm-hmm. And so, again, uh, you're, you're subject to pretty significant um, citations. Yeah, which could potentially destroy your business, right? Small businesses especially, yeah. So I said earlier that about 15 people die on the job. And again, you stack that up against 173 million people working, you think, boy, that's that's actually a pretty low number. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I think, um, I, I can't remember the exact, I, I want to say it's a little over three per 100,000 will die in the workplace. And, and so it, it, your odds of going home are good. But the risk side of it is the average cost to an employer is $4 million. Mm-hmm. So if you're a small business, I mean, how many checks can you write for that amount? And you think, well, we're insured. Well, will you keep your insurance? Will you be able to bond your work? Can you put up with the press? Can you put up with 10 years of litigation? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if you if statistically, if you have less than 50 employees and someone in your company dies, mm-hmm. your company will probably go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's very important to take preventative measures. Yeah, and, and let me throw one more number at you. Okay. 
because the number 15 is a low number. You know what a recordable injury is? So a, a recordable injury is an injury that requires medical treatment greater than first aid. Mm-hmm. Folks, there are 23,500 recordable injuries a day. Oh, wow. 23,500 <laughs> a day, right? Yeah. And so if you look at that in an eight-hour shift, I mean, that's, that's, that's like 50 per minute or some outrageous thing, right? Yeah. Um, so the average cost per recordable injury is over 25 grand. Hmm. So if you, you look at the safety industry from a 10,000 foot perspective, and US businesses spend over 120 billion, that's a billion with a B, right? Over 120 billion a year on, on workplace injury. Wow. And so that, that, that's really the underlying risk yeah. of, of you know, what, what should be driving, or part of what should be driving your safety and health program is costs. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it would be expensive up front to do all of this, right? Hire a person for, you know, coordinating safety and mm-hmm. all of that. But really, it's more of a preventative thing, I, I think. Yeah, so, uh, you know, business 101 is if you want to be big, you have to act big, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. And if you look at larger contractors, there there is a stereotype, and, and it is a stereotype, it's not always, but most larger contractors have really stringent safety programs. Um, and most smaller businesses... Don't really have a, a an integrated safety program. Mm-hmm. Well, why is that? Well, uh, because those those accountants or, or bean counters, if you will, and those yeah. big businesses understand uh, that um, that for every dollar spent in a in a safety program is generally over five dollars saved, and that that's a true statistic. I mean, wow. you you can you can research that or yeah. take case studies on that. But that's incredible. Yeah. So you think, oh my, oh my goodness, we we spent. Uh, we spent ten thousand dollars on PPE last year. Yeah. Well, uh, it, I mean, one serious citation from the state for a PPE violation could be could be seven grand yeah. per worker exposed. I mean, yeah. it, you know, so I, I mean, I, I have a, a client right now that has a, a repeat PPE citation is forty forty thousand dollars. They appealed the citation and lost the appeal. So they have a forty thousand dollar hard hat wow. citation. That's crazy. Yep. All right. Well. Um, did you want to just touch on just some other resources that Safety Matters offers um, in regards to screening applicants or, you know, other workplace safety um, resources that you can provide? Sure. So uh, we do help uh, clients screen applicants. One of the tough things in the safety industry is our really separating the, the, the men from the boys, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you're, if you're shopping for a safety person, h- how do you really know whether they're good? I mean, hey, this person has a 30-hour, they have an OSHA 500, or, or they have a, creten- a credential through the Board of Certified Safety Professionals. Maybe they're a CHST or a CSP or whatever, right? But are they a match for your work? Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I would encourage people um, to... To sit down with your applicants or, or people and say, do, do you understand our scope of work? And with OSHA have a, over 100,000 regulations, um, do you specialize in what we do? Yeah. I mean, you, you, might hire a, you might hire a safety person that is a regulatory expert in fall protection but knows absolutely nothing about electrical safety, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and... So I think that the challenge there is, is finding people that their skill set matches, matches your need. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so definitely. in the end, we, we, we can assist people with that. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great resource to know because mm-hmm. it is super hard to find good qualified people. <laughs> it is. And it's not, that, it's not that people are bad. I mean, I understand. I mean, I've, I've uh, I, just in the last five years, mm-hmm. in my, myself, I've been in over 500 hours of training. And uh, I still get phone calls where I tell people, hey, I, I've got to research that. I just don't have an answer for you. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, do you have anything else that you'd like to add today? No, I just want to uh, say thanks again for uh, bringing us aboard. And we're, we're yeah. excited to be with uh, your organization. Certainly. And with that, that concludes our second episode of Contractor Chat. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter, our SoundCloud or our social media feeds to be the first to know when the next episode is released. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.